I want to welcome you to worship this morning. We have a very full and exciting service, so I hope you're all prepared to worship our Lord. If you'll please stand and join in the call to worship. We're called to bring a new understanding of God, that God so loves the world. We are called to bring a new hope in God, that God gives us new life. We are called to follow the commandments and the law. Come, let us be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Amen. If you'll remain standing and sing, um, and can it be?
remain standing as we say the invocation prayer together. When we gather in your name, we are changed. There is no way around it. We cannot come together in your presence and not be moved. So today, we surrender to your moving and to the ways you desire to change us. Let this hour together be sacred and may your name be made great. You are holy, worthy, and full of glory. We are humbled to be in your presence. Receive our worship as an offering of praise. It is all for you. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning you have, you have a couple of bonus pegs. Um, this is the time where we share how we pray and how we engage and how we give and serve together as the body of Christ. We're family, and so we take care of each other. So the first thing I'd like to share with you is over the summer we do what's called a 10 for 10. We ask that you give 10 extra dollars for 10 weeks to 10 missions or programs that really need the extra help during the summer. And um, today we're excited to say that we did get to do a Dominican Republic mission trip this year. And so if you want to donate to help support the Hogar de Ninos Orphanage in the Dominican Republic, that is what your 10 for 10 will be used for this morning. And I'm also going to invite all the Vacation Bible School kids to come up and present a song for you. Amen. Woohoo! morning everyone so I just wanted to take a few minutes to thank you very much for your donations and um, offering us your the the sanctuary and everything that it goes into um, our, our wonderful volunteers if you volunteered please stand up or had a kiddo come um, it's, it's very important to this ministry stand up and let me clap for you Thank you, thank you. We couldn't do it without you. So we're going to give you just a two-second slideshow, and then they're going to sing two of their songs they learned.
much. Thank you. <laughs> Good, job. Good job, guys. That was awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. And thank you again to all the volunteers and all the coordinators. It was a wonderful week, as you can imagine, full of chaos and light and, and laughter. It was wonderful. Um, we'd also like to have Rhett Ryan bring his family up so that he can be baptized this morning. Child to you, to your love and to your care, 
We will now have some special music from the choir.
Oh, thank you. Praise God for, for music in the morning and for the delight of children and baptism. And we have so much to be blessed for today. Um, I would like to open with a morning prayer. So if you would bow your heads and silence your hearts right now and just hear these words. As we enter into this time of prayer, O oh God, we offer our gratitude that you are always present to us. Holy God, in this time and place, we prepare to meet you as your body, the church. We acknowledge you as our head. We anticipate your spirit moving among us. We await your word, knowing that, that through our lives and loves, it will be recorded. Come to us in power to confront, to convict, and comfort. For we are your people made in your image. As we enter into worship, we want every word that is spoken or sung to lift you up and make your name great. We desire to proclaim your truth, to hear from your word, and to respond to you with worship. We have made plans for this time together, but we ask that it would truly be your spirit who guides us. Let us be willing to set aside our own agendas when we sense you leading us. We are so grateful, Father, to be able to gather, and we look forward with expectancy for what you will do in and through throughout our days and our lives. Holy God, we are awed and humbled by your gracious presence among us. We pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Now please stand for hymn number 393, Spirit of the Living God.
may be seated. Amen, indeed. This morning, our scripture comes from Galatians. It's Galatians 5, 1, and then 13 through 25. Christ has set us free for freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. I say be guided by the spirit and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the spirit and the spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They're opposed to each other. So you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. But if you're being led by the spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use and casting spells, hate, fighting obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. I warn you, as I've already warned you, that those who do these kinds of things won't inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word today. Help us to be refreshed and renewed. Help us to receive um, a new understanding of what this word might mean for us in our lives. We ask all of this in your glorious son's name. Amen. So I, I started preparing this sermon and I was excited because the 4th of July was coming. And then I realized, oh wait, there's one more week. But I'm still excited. I like fireworks. So we're going with this. <laughs> Um, I grew up in Boston, so the 4th of July was a really big deal. Um, we, we would start the weekend before the fireworks with fireworks of our own over the lake in, in the little small town I grew up in. Family gathering, all the goodies, you know, all the, all the extended family, everybody sharing. Uh, but when we were kids, one of my favorite Independence Day celebrations was when we celebrated the Bicentennial. Again, Boston, big deal, right? In 1976, yes, I'm dating myself, but I was little then. Uh, we had activities all week long that led up to um, the combination of going into town, into the Hatch Shell, which is where the Boston Pops Orchestra plays, and we got to watch the fireworks being played to the 1812 Overture. So, da 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 da, boom boom. I mean, you can't top that, right? It's awesome. And one of the interesting th things that happened that fourth is my mom showing hospitality and grace in action, which she often does. We met these two couples who were traveling together, one from Baltimore and one from Venezuela. And after just visiting with them for a little bit, inviting them to join our little family picnic, my mom invited them to come back to her house for the fireworks. 
it was one of the few times that our fireworks were the week after the 4th of July fireworks. And so she invited these strangers into her home just to show them this little small town fireworks celebration. Um, she showed that kind of freedom, right? That, that love your neighbor freedom with her hospitality. And Independence Day is important. I think we can agree to that, especially if you like fireworks. It's worth celebrating. But Paul talks about today that dependence on God is even more special. Dependence on God is how we grow in the spirit and become more fruitful, demonstrating the love that God has for us to others. It's what transforms us as Christians, right? So if we look back at this whole text of Galatians, if you start at chapter 1, you'd see that Paul is kind of forming this argument. It's a pretty decent argument against the influences of this group, these, these law-focused, law-oriented Jewish Christian missionaries. And they were insisting that, that these new Christians be obliged to follow the Mosaic law. And they wanted them particularly to be circumcised. This isn't the only time we hear Paul arguing against this. If you look in Acts, you'll see that he argues against it as well. So if you look back at the chapters leading up to this one, you're going to see that we're coming to the climax of his argument. He does these negative examples and fierce arguments, and he levels them against the missionaries who had apparently gained a lot of influence over these Galatian Christians. So now we give way to Paul's positive concluding remarks. He, he draws a very specific conclusion that the new Christian should not be forced to submit to circumcision. The insistence that that ritual be observed, he says, it flies in the face of Christian freedom. If Christ, didn't, Christ did not free them to become bound up, wrapped up again in all these old rules. And if the old rules were all we need, if we could do it by ourselves by just following this list of rules, then why do we need Christ? But if they had been freed, to what end? For what purpose? Paul goes on to clarify exactly what he believes this freedom is and what it is not. He says in the face of his opponent's arguments, he says that, that the law is not what's central to the Christian believers. That it shouldn't be where your life is wrapped up. It should be Christ as the center. That Christ's gift to all of his disciples is the really only true freedom. And he says it's deliverance from the bondage of slavery. He insists that the freedom means that circumcision has no special standing to those who are, are seeking to be transformed by Christ. You're not made into a better Christian just because you've been circumcised. So he says obedience to that law is no longer a matter of such high importance. So what does that matter? And, and how is that you know, fulfilling the purpose of freeing us? Think about this. Paul tells us that the very freedom we have then results in us being enslaved. Ironic. Not only to our deliverer Christ, but to everybody else as well. We have to set aside our selfish desires and serve everybody else. So how is that freedom? Well, for Paul, freedom doesn't mean the opposite of slavery. That's the way we think of it. But he really thinks it's a matter of who one serves. So your freedom is in serving Christ. It's being enslaved 
to the proper um, force. So he believes we're freed by following Christ, serving Christ and each other. So most of us, when we, when we pick out a definition of freedom, we, we tend to think liberty. Um, so the definition of liberty is the ability to act according to your own will. And it includes like freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the power to do as you please, the power that you have to choose. But freedom is having the ability to act or change without constraint. So it says the quality or state of being exempt or released from something that's unusually difficult. So the Mosaic laws would certainly fall into that category, right? Being released from having to follow those over 600 rules and laws. Something's free if it can change easily and it's not constrained to its present state. So we have freedom to do things that will not be prevented by other forces. So although people today would maybe define freedom as following our own desires, Paul argues that our selfish desires, our selfish impulses, kind of get one in this vicious circle where they bite and devour each other. Um, in the end, they're eaten by each other. It reminds me of those seagulls in Finding Nemo, right? Mine, 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 right? And it sounds oddly familiar to us when we think about the headlines in the news and, the, and what's going on in the world around us, that selfish desire devouring and biting. Engaging in behaviors like those are never freedom. Rather than freedom being found in a state of lawlessness, Paul says it can only be found when one acts in accord with the law summarized by one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we were all to live by this one rule, we wouldn't need any others, right? There wouldn't be anybody out to hurt each other. There wouldn't be people hoarding resources. There wouldn't be murder. There wouldn't be crime. There wouldn't be, you get the picture. If we could all follow this one law. Truly free acts occur when we consider not only ourselves but also others, and more specifically, God. It's, it's for those who are guided by the Spirit who do not give in to selfish desires. The one who's truly free serves not just their own selfish desires, but the other, God, and the others, our neighbors. In this section, Paul reminds us, too, that sometimes our greatest liberation is found in our deepest commitment to Christ. Not so much a freedom from although certainly Christ did set us free from our, our past and our mistakes and our sins, our shortcomings, our fears, but it's in our freedom too. It's our freedom to work together to benefit others. It's our freedom to love and to serve each other. It's our freedom to express our feelings and our concerns and our hopes and our dreams for our community, for our neighbors, for our friends. It's our freedom to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, a transformation is in progress. Who doesn't love a, a good transformation story, right? Think about the beast who out of his own selfishness gets cursed and turned into this creature. And then love is what makes him turn back into a human. We all love a good transformation story, but we are all good transformation stories. We all have our story of where we started and where we're going. 
But we also need to realize that with this freedom comes responsibility. When Paul tells us, love your neighbor as yourself, as part of that, that means I can't stand in the way of somebody else's freedom. Freedom in Christ tells us that the only way to get that deep abiding sense of joy is to love and serve others. So pursuing the simple happiness, although it can be fun, only focused on me and my personal pleasures, that's not going to bring me genuine joy or fullness, richness of peace. True, true freedom comes from our goodness in response to God's goodness to us. It's not our own power. And the purpose for us, the purpose for us to have this freedom is so that we can create it for others. We can work toward justice and mercy. We can fight for those who don't have enough. Paul directs the attention of this audience and of us out of our self-absorption. And he reminds us that loving service is measured by our response to our neighbors, not to ourself. Love as demonstrated through service to others is the fruit of Christian freedom. And while it's true there's no, there's no place in Christian beliefs for self-loathing or self-hatred, loving ourselves is not the goal. That was not the goal that Jesus had in mind for us when he freely gave his life for us. I love the image I saw of, of somebody trying to reach out and help the neighbor, but they were too busy holding on to themselves. You can't do both. The love Christ calls us to is agape love. It's a sacrificial love. It's not a self-directed, simple love. And the movement of our Christian life is moving from self-centeredness to centeredness in God. It's a transformation. I read a commentary that talked about how, you know, silly Christians, true freedom is not possible, it basically said. And it used some examples that, that you are stuck with these cultural assumptions. You're, you're limited by circumstances beyond your control. And some of them were um, a psychologist might tell us we're the products of our parents and that we're Ill, Ill, um, limited by their emotional health. Or an economist might tell us, you know, we're products of our class and so we're limited in our options by wealth or poverty, whatever we were born into. And another one is a sociologist might say we're products of our neighborhood or ethnicity and we're shaped and limited by cultural traditions and norms. And some of us might feel constrained by those assumptions this morning, but what the Bible tells us instead is that we're free from those labels, we're free from those molds. We have the opportunity to break out of them because Christ has set us free for freedom. As sons and daughters of God, we're redeemed and renewed we are transforming. We are the free, we have the freedom to be the good creatures that God created us to be in the first place. We've been set free to become Jesus-shaped, to live Jesus-shaped lives and be completely transformed. Freedom to do and live as Christ would have you do and live. I read an article um, several years ago now about Warren Buffett. Most of you would know who he is, one of the world's richest men. And he decided at this point to give 85% of his fortune, that's not a typo, 85% of his fortune, to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to help cure the globe's most fatal diseases. An incredibly generous gift, 31 billion, with a B, billion dollars. But more significant than the size of the gift is that when Bill Gates was interviewed about the work his foundation does, he listed some reasons that people give for tackling global health problems. 
and they're all very logical. You'll have heard some of these before. Economic arguments, he said, stressing that if we cure something like malaria in Africa, then that country's gross national product will be higher. Um, someone might use a security argument, saying that if we don't cure these diseases, the instability in these countries will increase. Some use neighborhood arguments, he says, pointing out that somebody could get on a plane from one of these places and bring the disease here. Sounds awfully familiar in our last couple of COVID years, right? But Gates says none of these arguments is the right one. He said the right one is this mother's child is sick and that child's life is no less valuable than the life of anyone else's. And that the world has plenty of resources to solve these problems. That's how we want to be free. Free to do what's rightly rooted in our love for each other. Doing as Christ would have us do, belonging to Christ. Belonging to Christ, ironically, as a slave belongs to a master, and that's the exact means of us being set free. Freedom is ultimately not found in independence or self-focus, but a loving, dependent relationship with God, through which the Spirit leads us to loving acts toward others, transformation, growing in the fruit of the Spirit, exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are indeed free to be, freed by the love of Christ, freed to be guided by the Holy Spirit, free to love our God and free to love one another. And so as we approach Independence Day, let's remember that our freedom is priceless beyond measure because it's provided by a God who loves you beyond measure. Amen? If you'll bow your heads and pray with me. As we come to you in prayer, O oh God, we offer our thanks that you are always present to us even though there are times we are not present to you. We thank you that you call us by name even though there are times we take your name in vain. We are sorry for the times that we have not been present to you and for all the times when we have looked for you in all the wrong places. We ask that you would instill in us a sensitivity to your presence as we find glory in the majesty of a sunset and in the smile of a child. We are thankful that when we find a human need and fill it, you are there. We offer gratitude for the courage of martyrs who confront conflict with nonviolence. Help us likewise to search for options for a better way. Awaken us to the opportunities for ministry. Inspire us to pray for peace and for healing of our broken world and our broken relationships. Expand our horizons that we might know that wherever we are, you are there. For even as we seek you, you have already found us. Transform us, Lord. Help us to grow to be more like you. Help us to so live that when we meet you face to face, we might hear you say, you are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. Amen. If you'll please stand for our closing song.
Amen. So we'll have a benediction, but before we do that, I want to just share a couple of things with you. We have our patriotic festival tonight. Doors open at 6. Um, the program starts at 7. So if anyone can stay behind and help us move around chairs and tables to set up, we'd appreciate it. And I also want to let you know that Ed Glover's service, has the time has changed. It was 4.30, now it will be 1.30 on Tuesday. So you've heard the good news. In Christ, you are a new creation. Go forth then from this place as a people of faith to serve others with your good works and acts of charity. May you know that the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ are with you always. Amen.